Hello and welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug. I'm pastor of Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're taking a look at Matthew chapter 13 and we're asking the question, what is God like? The Bible tells us that Jesus is everything we need to know about God and about being human. So we get to know what God is like by reading both stories about Jesus and also the stories that Jesus told. And Matthew chapter 13 has eight of these parables. And so last week we looked at the first one, uh, the one where Jesus compares God to a farmer who plants seeds in rocky soil, thorny soil, and good soil. We also looked at the nature of parables themselves and why Jesus might have chosen this format to teach us what God is like. So today we're going to look at three more parables in Matthew chapter 13. So open up your Bibles to chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. We're going to open ourselves up to these parables, and and let's open ourselves to the Holy Spirit as well, that the Spirit would plant and nurture seeds of faith and love in our hearts. As we ask again, what is God like? I pray that during this time we could experience and come to know more deeply this God who created us, who loves us, and has a purpose for our lives. To help us with this, I'm going to spend some time looking at the scriptures here on the podcast, but I've also included some Bible references and takeaways in the podcast notes. I've included a study guide for a small group or individual reflection over the course of this week. All this can be found also on our website, www.faithshelton.org. I'm grateful to Chaz for his production work on this podcast every week. Let's begin with a prayer. It's, it's the text of a hymn that uh, is in our hymnal and, and part of our tradition. Lord, let my heart be good soil, open to the seed of your word. Lord, let my heart be good soil where love can grow and peace is understood. When my heart is hard, break the stone away. When my heart is cold, warm it with the day. When my heart is lost, lead me on your way. Lord, Let my heart be good soil. So a reading from Matthew chapter 13, beginning at the 24th verse. Jesus told his disciples another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Then he told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds can come and perch in its branches. He told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed about 60 pounds of flour into it until it worked through all the dough. 
Well, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Then Jesus left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is the word of the Lord. So, Jesus tells another parable, comparing God to a farmer. This farmer sows good seed in his field, goes home after a long day's work, has some supper, plays scrabble with the kids, tucks them in at night, watches some news, goes to bed. But overnight, his arch nemesis, his mortal enemy, sneaks into the field, scatters a bunch of nasty weed seed. Bearded Darnell, they say. Weeds that look all the world like wheat and slinks away undetected. Everything on the farm then seems to be growing along as planned until some of the field hands notice that intertwined with the healthy stalks of wheat are a bunch of these bearded darnel. The farm hands panic. They run to the farmer. Sir, what happened? Didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? Well, the farmer knows exactly who to blame. One of his enemies did this. The servants offer a remedy. Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, the farmer says. No, let the wheat and weeds grow together until the harvest. I'll have the professional harvesters sort things out when the time comes. I'll have the weeds bundled and burned. I'll have the wheat sent to the barn for processing. If you try to go out there, you're likely to do more damage to the wheat. And that is an unacceptable collateral damage. So what does this parable teach us about God? Set aside other voices and questions for right now. Reread this story. In the image of the farmer, what is Jesus telling us about God? Go ahead. Reread it. Circle some stuff. Write down three adjectives to describe the God that is portrayed by Jesus in this parable. If this parable was the only part of the Bible you'd ever read, what impression would you have of God? Take a few moments. Do that right now. I'm not going to go anywhere. Do, 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 Ready? What three words did you write down? I came up with several. Active, involved, patient, confident, opposed, wise, faithful, forgiving, just, long-suffering, compassionate, steady, strong. What words did you come up with? The farmer in this story is working in the world, doing stuff, planting stuff. 
In fact, the farmer owns the whole field and seems confident that the seeds will do what seeds are supposed to do. The farmer has servants who are there to do whatever he tells them to do, and the farmer has an enemy, an arch-rival, a nemesis. The enemy can't stop seeds from growing, but can disrupt the process by introducing an imitation, a counterfeit. The appearance of the weeds in the field caused the workers to panic. They questioned the farmer's original planting. Didn't you plant good seed? Next, they offer to root out all the weeds, but the farmer says no. In fact, he commands his servants, leave them alone. Afe the weeds, he says. Literally, forgive the weeds. Let them be for now because there's too much risk of collateral damage to the wheat. If there's foot traffic or mistakes in judgment or pulling up the wrong plants, afe is the Greek word for forgive. Forgive the weeds. The farmer is not panicking because the farmer has a plan for the harvest, one that assures both the safety of the wheat and the safe destruction of the weeds. We'll come back to this parable, but right now let's look briefly at the two other parables. Again, with an eye toward what Jesus is telling us God is like. And so in verse 31, Jesus triples down on the whole farmer bit. It says, God is a man who plants mustard seed in his field. The seed seems to disappear into the soil, but within the appropriate growing season, those little seeds become great big bushes throughout the field. In verse 33, he shifts a little and says that God is a woman who mixes yeast into 60 pounds of flour. Both, again, portray God as active, present, working the seeds and the yeast into the world, trusting them to do their work, resulting in a tree-sized bush or a loaf-shaped meal. Or maybe God is not only the farmer or the baker, but is actually the mustard seed or the yeast God's spirit permeating all of creation, barely perceptible, invisible, hidden, yet pervasive, growing, inevitable, accomplishing its purposes. Anyway, after the parable of the yeast, Matthew reminds us that what Jesus had said earlier in the chapter, that parables are the best way to try to get at explaining the kingdom of heaven, describing what God is like. I will open my mouth in parables, Matthew recalls the prophet Isaiah saying, I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. In fact, maybe creation is itself a parable or at least described in this parable. Think about that. The creation story in Genesis 2 and 3, it's set in a garden, a field. God places good things in the garden. Adam and Eve, apple trees, daisies, ducks and dogs, hops and coffee beans, you know, good stuff. Then the snake sneaks in, sows discord and deceit, and suddenly God's good creation is more complicated, more dangerous, yet God allows the good stuff in the garden to keep on growing and growing, even as evil and sin grow in and alongside it. God offays the weeds, lets it be, suffers the weeds. That's what God does throughout the whole Old Testament. People sin and fall away and forget, but God is faithful and long-suffering, promising a day of justice, a day of judgment, when God will bring his harvest home and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
which leads us to the story of Jesus. Jesus comes into the world, and let's keep going with these agricultural metaphors. He sows the seed of God's word and is the word of God that is planted, becoming flesh and establishing roots on earth. The weeds finally think they overwhelm him, and he's crucified on a tree, his body planted in the ground. But on the third day, the living word sprouts out of the ground, and the fruit of his word brings eternal life to all who taste and see that the Lord is good. He ascends into heaven and will come again to judge the living and the dead. And when he returns with the angels of the harvest, then the wheat will be gathered safely into the barn and the weeds bundled up and properly disposed of. The weeds, devil, sin, suffering, they were nuisances, yes, but never once truly threatened the harvest. All the world is God's own field. The kingdom of God is hidden, growing, obscure, universal, enduring, and finally victorious. The parable of the patient farmer is the entire Bible story in about six verses. Whoever has ears, let them hear. What God is like is revealed in the stories of Jesus and the story of Jesus. Everything we can and need to know about God, we learn from Jesus. Everything we can and need to know about being human, we learn from Jesus. So let's take a look at some takeaways for today. What? What's that? What about the weeds, you ask? What about them? Oh, oh, you think I'm one of those snowflake preachers who won't talk about sin and judgment and hell? Fine. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13, the last verses 36 through 42, and what we should make of the weeds. First of all, leave it to the disciples to label this parable as the one about the weeds in the field. Jesus has to be rolling his eyes. He's describing God as a patient farmer. The seed of the word of God is growing, hidden, pervasive all over the world. The kingdom of heaven is everywhere. God is faithful, and you want to talk about weeds? Oy vey. Well, Jesus says, the weeds are the people of the evil one, those sown by the devil to try to thwart and hinder the the word of God and confuse and distract God's people. Weeds are a reality of life on planet Earth. The weeds will be dealt with, but not until the end of the age when they will be dealt with by the angels sent by God. It'll be their job to weed out of the kingdom of God everything that causes sin in all who do evil. The weeds will be disposed of, thrown into a blazing furnace, complete with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Three things I'd say about that. First, let's be honest. Let's be sober about this. There really are bad guys out there who do terrible, hateful things in strident opposition to the will and purposes of God. And those who oppose the kingdom of God and oppose God's people, those who do violence and oppress the poor, the prisoner, the widow, the immigrant, the orphan, these will receive their just due. And yes, it involves fire and weeping and gnashing of teeth. God is patient and God is just. And they will pay for the crimes against God's precious children. The second thing, though, is that the parable warns us specifically not to obsess about the weeds. We are expressly told not to try to root out the weeds because, quote, while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. 
Look, folks, none of us is smart enough or wise enough to tell the difference between a wheat and a weed, and human efforts to do so inevitably lead to more harm than good. This is a season for growing and living among weeds. Leave it for the angels to do the sorting later. So if you're in the habit of vilifying any group of people with whom you happen to disagree, I don't know, Republicans, Black Lives Matter, cat lovers, or podcast preachers, then, God, then Jesus has a very strong word for you. Knock it off. Stop it. Now. Judging others is way above your pay grade. And sanctimonious judgments about who God loves and who God doesn't love not only are they not helpful, they are in fact just the sorts of false fruits that weeds produce. In fact, if we're honest, and this is my third subpoint here, each one of us has a fair amount of both wheat and weeds in our own hearts. Martin Luther calls it the simul paradox. Christians are simultaneously simul, saint, and sinner. We bear the image of God and bear the fruits of the Spirit, but we're also in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We are both wheat and weed. The Christian life involves daily confession, repentance, and discipline to keep sin at bay. The Christian life also involves daily grace and discovery of the glory and mercy and kindness and joy of the presence of God, knowing that we are made right with God, not by our efforts, but solely by God's grace revealed in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So enough about the weeds. Because sometimes all we see and think about these days are weeds, and that is exhausting. We watch so many things happen that break our hearts and boil our blood, and we wonder why and how God can allow it to happen. Where is God in a pandemic, in a nation divided by race and economics and political opinions, in a world that is getting hotter and more crowded? Where is God in cancer, in protests, in poverty, and in loneliness? The story of Jesus and the stories of Jesus point to the same answer. Folks, God is here. God is with us. God is faithful. God is planting seeds and working the dough. There is no place where God has not sowed the seeds of God's kingdom. The Holy Spirit is real and it is here and it is bearing good fruit in God's field. One seed, one life, one mercy, one person at a time. God is patient and long-suffering. God is also persistent, purposeful, and powerful. There may not be quick fixes or easy answers, but there is also no force in heaven or hell that can finally resist or hinder God's harvest. We are each one of us part of an amazing and beautiful and complex and frustrating world that is revealing what God is like. Gracious and merciful, the Bible says, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And we, we are the wheat sown in God's field, created to love one another, to bear fruit that feeds and blesses the world to the glory of God. Now let's get back to those takeaways. Three suggestions for you. I have uh, some more detailed suggestions and takeaways and discussion points in, in the study guide. But three things. Listen to Jesus, grow in the spirit, and bless the world. First, listen to Jesus. Reflect on this, the story of Jesus and the stories of Jesus this week. Open your heart and mind to fresh and life-giving pictures of what God is like. 
how to literally draw a picture of God sowing seeds in the field. Reimagine God according to what Jesus shows and says about God. Second, grow in the Spirit. Meditate on the fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to refer you to one more Bible passage, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I want you to pick one that you feel drawn to and invite the Holy Spirit to grow this fruit in your heart. And bless the world. Ask God to show you one way that you can contribute healing or hope how you can share a spiritual blessing with someone else. My heart this week especially goes out to schools and teachers and students as they face impossible choices and conflicting values getting ready for school this fall. Let's pray for them. Let's come up with ways that we as a church, we as individuals, we as a community can help and support them. Listen to Jesus, grow in the spirit, and bless the world. So there you have it. Thanks for listening to this week's We'll Preach for Food podcast. For more information about faith as well as worship and study resources, again, you can go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. You can subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other way you listen to podcasts. You can support this podcast by sharing it with a friend or making a financial gift to Faith Lutheran Church in Shelton, Washington, using the link provided. Let me send you away with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and your minds in the freedom of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.